Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. The U.S. Senate is looking to change the filibuster. They want to make it so that in order to use it, a senator has to stand on the Senate floor and talk as long as they can manage. In response, Lindsey Graham said he would talk until he, quote, fell over. <laughs> Where is an understaffed Capitol Police force when you really need one? A cargo ship was unblocked from the Suez Canal. It was easier to get the insurrectionists to leave the Capitol. All they had to do was get the cops to take selfies with them, and then they left. Fox's Peter Ducey didn't get called on by Biden during his press conference. That almost made me want to tune into Fox and Friends the following morning just to see his daddy Peter shit himself just after he started having a stroke. Speaking of Fox, they uploaded a video onto YouTube which featured the title, Tucker Investigates Why Biden Took a Swipe at Russia But Not China. I investigated why Tucker didn't look at the video of Secretary of State Tony Blinken 
taking his Chinese counterpart to task during their meeting in Anchorage. It turns out it's because Tucker Carlson is a fucking idiot. <laughs> Investigation concluded. <laughs> Biden's dog Major has bitten a second person at the White House. To be fair, the only moments Trump has ever bit anyone were the times he bit Ivanka when Melania told him she had a headache. We have Easter coming up. I never really understood why people, especially conservatives and fundamentalist Christians, were so excited about the Easter holiday. Then it dawned on me. I'm starting to think the only reason conservatives love Easter is because of their fascination with Jesus, who, of course, represents their favorite thing, a dead Middle Easterner. <laughs> They're going to fucking love that one. <laughs> Chet Hanks, son of the actor Tom Hanks, caught flack on social media for saying he was looking forward to a, quote, white boy summer. I think he caught grief because white boy summer already exists in this country. It's called spring break. Spring break. Reminding Americans of the founding of the country. A bunch of white people gathering on a land they're not from, wreaking havoc and destruction, engaging in carnal and sometimes non-consensual sex, and then spreading a disease from which the native inhabitants have no immunity. And on that note, on with the show. Please join me in welcoming Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Shireen Kassam. Hi, Tom. Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you. Jeff, Abby, Shireen, what has been going on with you? Well, the, it seems like, according, if you listen to some people, the biggest news is the behavior of the first dogs. And they, uh, they, they the bites, I think today, uh, one of them pooped somewhere on the White House grounds. So uh, to some in the, uh, in the media, that should be issue one, rather than all of the uh, progressive, uh, admirable to me, uh, policies that Joe and, and this administration are doing. They'd rather talk about dog poop than real world uh, policies. To be fair, like dog poop is about the extent of his critics' capabilities of understanding. So, <laughs> you think that's easier to comprehend than a uh, multi-billion-dollar infrastructure proposal and all the ramifications of that? Oh God, yes. <laughs> I mean, as someone who didn't graduate with any kind of formal economic or legal training, you know what? I get thrilled when I hear stories about dog shit. I'm like, finally. <laughs> Abby, how about yourself? Well, I'm excited to announce that I am fully microchipped as of Monday. Yeah, so very excited. Um, yeah, got shot number two. Uh, yeah, it was it was not bad. It um, felt a little bit like jet lag mixed with my entire skeleton hurt, but you know it was quicker and I'm sure a heck of a lot easier than whatever the full blown COVID is. So happy to have gotten it. Shireen, how about yourself? I'd say the same. I'm the only person in Florida who's fully vaccinated. <laughs> nice. How did, you, how did you manage that? Did you contribute to Publix? <laughs> they were just throwing out vaccines and I was like, nobody else, else wanted them down there, right? Exactly. Nobody else wanted them. At first they were like, no, you're brown. You can't get one yet. And then they were like, you know what? Nobody wants them so you can have them. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite a 180 turn. I mean, that's that that was that was basically like Florida's policy in a nutshell, just without saying it. Kind of. It went from you have to be like dying to get one to like the, the whole state can get one because we have so many vaccines because nobody wants them. 
I mean, it's, it's Florida. I mean, what the hell's going on down there? You know, I went to an event, a networking event on Saturday and it felt like there was no COVID. I mean, there was a guy pouring drinks without a mask on. Everybody was hugging and kissing. When I walked in with my mask, they were like, you can take that off. We don't need it. And I was like, oh, everyone's vaccinated. And they were like, no. And I was like, oh, then why are we taking our masks off? <laughs> I didn't get it. And she said, she her response to me was, because I wouldn't let her hug me. She was like, oh, you're one of them. And I was like, one of who? Like the people who don't want to die? Yeah. Like, I was like, what do you mean one of them? <laughs> one of them. You mean one of the smart people? One of the people with a brain? One of them using common sense? I don't think you should be networking with these people. They don't seem very smart. You know, it's funny because she keeps calling me because I, about 20 minutes in, I said I was going to the bathroom and then I didn't come back because I was getting really nervous about it. And she keeps calling because she wants to do business. And, and I don't know how to tell her like, no, because she wants to meet for drinks. And I'm like, why aren't we Zooming? I don't understand. <laughs> Just pretend it's a guy you don't want to see. I mean, I've been on the receiving end of those got a number of times. <laughs> I know I just ghost them, but I want to, I want to be better because I don't want that bad karma coming to me. <laughs> I start dating again after COVID. I can't let all this karma like Pyla. <laughs> Joining us tonight, comedian Devine Kerr. Hello. Devine, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So Devine, what has been going on uh, with you this week? Well, one thing I can officially say is that I can... I can say that I finally published and wrote and composed my first waltz. Wow. Nice. Well, who so, hasn't? <laughs> so I was very happy because, I mean, I've been working on this piece for a little while. So I'm a comedian and a musician. But now that I have it on paper and other people can play it too now. So yay. So that, that was my accomplishment of yesterday. But um, in, all, from that in all of my life, I've never heard anybody utter that sentence. <laughs> so, so. So, Devine, you stand out even more in my life. Aw. At least nobody in the last century, anyway. <laughs> Not yeah, who, but that's the thing. Who cares <laughs> about waltz nowadays, right? That's just like, uh, unless they get married and that's their opening song. I mean, nobody really listens to waltz. But What's yeah, it called? I, it's called Le Carousel Amoureux, which is love carousel. Uh, Abby, she didn't need to translate that, did she? Just in case. We're in America. <laughs> What's and your... I live in Harford County, Maryland. So yeah, <laughs> you, you, everything needs to be spelled out for us. Devine, what's your primary instrument or your favorite instrument? Uh, piano, definitely. Congratulations. You've, yeah, cla you've, you've classed up this podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty excited because <laughs> I've been playing by ear, actually, to give context and to see it, my music on paper for once. And th that, that just makes me go, go crazy. So like, I have all these fantasies that one day my my grandkids maybe one day I mean if my sons are fertile who knows I can't assume but that my grandkids would be like oh I'm playing grandma's piece you know and and that would be me so anyways that's so it. you had somebody transcribe it for you yes yes because I maybe it's a David Bowie piece I have no idea like he, maybe it's not even my song but you know I like to believe it is so. <laughs> <laughs> that's like what that's like how every comic reacts when they when they hear uh oh I, I think i've heard that joke somewhere before like nope nope they get real defensive about it no this is mine this wasn't a mitch hedberg piece i <laughs> yeah. came up with this on my own so you're not saying it was a mitch hedberg waltz 
What? That would be awesome. It would be a waltz about <laughs> sesames and plastic plants. I would love that. You know, like... And ducks who eat bread. Oh, yes. That one. When a tragic event occurs, be it a mass shooting or a racially motivated attack, Americans get right down to doing what we do best, holding hearings at the highest echelons of our power structure that accomplish absolutely nothing but further division in an already fractious society. The Atlanta attacks were certainly no exception, as Texas Congressman Chip Roy demonstrates when he tries to deflect from the subject at hand to his own grievances, as we can see in this clip. The victims of race-based violence uh, and their families deserve justice. And as the case, what we're talking about here with the tragedy, what we just saw occur in Atlanta, Georgia, I would also suggest that the victims of cartels moving illegal aliens deserve justice. The American citizens in South Texas, they're getting absolutely decimated by what's happening. Our southern border deserve justice. The victims of rioting and looting in the streets last week, businesses closed, burned last, I'm sorry, last summer, deserve justice. Um, we, did, we believe in justice. Right? There's old sayings in Texas about, you know, find the, all the rope in Texas and get a tall oak tree. Uh, you know, we take justice very seriously, and, and we ought to do that. Uh, round up the bad guys. That's what we believe. Um, my concern about this hearing is that it seems to want to venture into the policing of rhetoric in a free society, free speech, um, and away from the rule of law and taking out bad guys. So now we're talking about whether talking about China, the Chai Coms, the Chinese Communist Party, whatever phrasing we want to use, and if some people are saying, hey, we think those guys are the bad guys, for whatever reason. And let me just state clearly, I do. I think the Chinese Communist Party running the country, China, I think they're the bad guys. It must be a relief for his staffers to wear masks because now they can do what they really want to do, which is have a permanent expression on their face that just says, what the fuck? <laughs> part of what he said that was wrong and not the major parts, and I'll leave that for the rest of my panelists to discuss, is he's using his time as a congressman to quote Toby Keith lyrics because he, in that he quoted Beer for My Horses, the Toby Keith song, which includes the lines, Grandpappy told my pappy back in my day, son, a man had to answer for the wicked that he had done. Take all the rope in Texas, find a tall oak tree, round up all them bad boys, hang them high in the street. So somehow, He's a hack is basically what you're saying. Chip yeah, Roy is a hack. I think that would be uh, overstating it. But yes, he's, yes, he is. <laughs> We have a comedian writing a waltz. We have Jeff Heisen <laughs> quoting Toby Keith. Right. This is shaping up to be a different podcast. I like it. <laughs> but to me, he was saying almost it was okay for this slaughter to take place in America of Americans because of policies taking place in China. Well, I imagine that Chip Roy is undergoing some kind of Alzheimer's that's progressing so quickly that by the end of his little soliloquy, he's, you know, regressed back to the days when racism and lynchings were pretty much mainstream where he grew up. That's a good point. I think it's interesting that he kind of towards the middle front end of that said, 
basically what's to blame is that we're all pointing to rhetoric and how rhetoric is, you know, causing all of these problems. And that is right smack in the middle of one of the most insightfully, you know, the rhetoric of what he says is so unbelievable that the fact that he's basically like, you know, you know, the problem is everybody having a problem with the words that I'm saying right now and all of the similar words that other people have said. That's really the problem. You use that term rhetoric. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> people are getting killed for, for lots of reasons. So the fact that these, this was targeted hate brought on by the hate speech of the, of the past presidents shouldn't be condemned because a lot of people are getting killed for, for bad language. Which allow me to now demonstrate. Right. <laughs> my quoting right. of right. the <laughs> lyrics. There you, there you go. I don't know. When I hear these people wanting to make America great again, I always feel like what they're trying to say is they want to go back to their own country. That's what they say to Asians, right? But they, they don't want to, want to travel back in time in their own anyways. Have you experienced uh, anything of late? But are you, have you experienced since the past, since the former guy, as one of our previous panelists called him, kept calling it the China virus, uh, have you, have, as a member of the AAPI community, uh, experienced any uh, extra hatred as, as of late? Unfortunately, yes. And uh, if not me, my husband, when he goes on grocery trips, or even the way people drive behind me, <laughs> I get more tailgated. Um, depending on which car I take, there's one of my car that has a vanity plate that says something that sounds Asian, and I would get road rage more on me because of that. Um, there's many different instances. I'm not even sure if you want me to list examples because how depressed do you want to be? I mean, you're on this podcast, so <laughs> I mean, we... <laughs> you're already yeah. in the most depressing place on earth. So <laughs> keep going. I mean, I, I didn't mention it, but I'm also Canadian. And what shocks me is we always talk about Canada as a friendly country. And even up there, my family members have been attacked. I have personally um, have heard friends, you know, everybody's scared. Like now I'm scared when my husband goes out of the house. Like I always kiss him because I'm like, okay, you know, I don't know if you guys know the ballet dancer, Alex Wong from So You Think You Can Dance. I mean, he was biking in New York and somebody threw rocks at his head. So, I mean, people think it's not real and it's not happening, but it, it is, unfortunately. Oh, oh my God. And it's not like it's happening in, you know, rural backwaters. It's happening in, you know, major, what we think of as progressive cities, like, you know, New York, San Francisco. And... Exactly. Montreal, you know. Hatred and scorn against the AAPI community is nothing new. In fact, in the opening days of the coronavirus pandemic, it only exacerbated what was already an untenable situation. Here, Anderson Cooper calls out a befuddled Las Vegas mayor, Carolyn Goodman, while trying to explain the concept of social distancing. There's a, a Chinese researchers have shown uh, how this virus spreads. And I just want to put up Ooh, for our viewers. I just want to put up for our viewers. This is a, a restaurant. Anderson, you are tough. <laughs> no, I'm not We're talking. We're back just... to China. This isn't China. Yeah. This, this is, is Las a... Vegas, Nevada. Wow. Okay, that's really ignorant. This is a restaurant. And the that's yellow circle, that's an ignorant, that... ignorant statement. That's, that's a restaurant. <laughs> and yes, it's in China, but there are human beings too. That yellow is a person who's in, who... See, to me, Carolyn Goodman, and, and, and she's the mayor of like a major city that, that takes in a lot in tourism. But to me, she seems like you know, the grandmother who is uh, set to settle in Florida. 
but got sidetracked and went to Nevada when she received a meetup invitation from Clive and Bundy. <laughs> well, I'm glad she didn't come here. I remember this interview. I thought it was, I, I remember when, I remember how much slack he got for this interview. And I just thought it was amazing. Like he put her in her place, but she didn't really learn anything from it. I mean, it was amazing the restraint that Anderson Cooper had throughout that entire interview. Mm-hmm. She didn't even care how, like that, that's what's fascinating about some of these people is like, they don't, they don't think that they are being dumb or stupid at all. Like they just don't get it. And you just have to wonder how, how they came to that conclusion. She like was I, stating the obvious. She was, she was doing the collective conscious of, of course, it's China. She assumed that everybody agreed with her mm-hmm. that China was bad, that this is how bad it was. Like, she's so convinced that she couldn't even, she had zero, zero awareness that it was so ignorant what she was saying. Right. And I can't remember exactly what she said in the rest of the interview, Tom, but she said something about Anderson Cooper asked her about all the people who work in the casinos how they're all minorities and immigrants. And some, she said something very ignorant at that point too. And I, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, their lives didn't matter it, as long as her city could open. And it was just fascinating that people have this, even today, people are still thinking like this. Like they don't, there's no mindfulness about people losing their lives. It's crazy. And then I think during that interview, cause I, I watched the whole thing. Anderson Cooper asked if she was willing to sit at a, at a craps table or sit at the slot machines and go gambling with everybody, you know, in the early days of the pandemic. And she just kind of brushed it off and said, well, I'm the mayor. It's not my job. I don't gamble. I'm like, like you're in Las Vegas. <laughs> like even, like, even when I was on a tour that took me throughout Nevada and Arizona, I found time to gamble at least like once a day. All she had to do there was say, look, where this is Las Vegas. We need the public to come here. We're doing, uh, we'll try to do our best, but it's not going to be perfect. But if people don't come back to our city, we may as well not exist. But she, she danced around that. Have they tried Zoom gambling? <laughs> <laughs> or thinking that, you know, if there's COVID in Las Vegas, it will only stay in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When Georgia went to the Democrats in not only its presidential and both of its Senate races, the state's Republicans knew they had to do something. But rather than try to figure out how to appeal to more moderate voters and evolve their party's platform, they decided to do the tried and true method of disenfranchising voters, making it hardest possible for them to vote. To sum up the harsh restrictions on the rights of Georgia voters, Governor Brian Kemp took out all pretense and was not subtle when he arranged the bill signing ceremony as MSNBC's Chris Hayes sums it up for us in this clip. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and other Republicans around the country who are working actively day in, day out to restrict voting access claim they are deeply offended that anyone would paint them with the same brush as Jim Crow. Governor Kemp probably should have put some more thought into how he staged this whole thing since he seems so sensitive to the optics. This is the picture the governor tweeted showing him signing the bill surrounded by six white men picture that presumably was not intended to invoke Jim Crow in a state where about 30% of the population is black and one party, the Republican Party, is nearly entirely white. And the backdrop there is really the piece de resistance that also definitively should not evoke bad memories of the Old South. That painting there in the background, that is of a slave plantation in Wilkes County, Georgia, where at least 100 slaves owned by the Calloway family were first forced to toil over 56 acres of land. I think Brian Kemp wanted to sign this new law with the surroundings that would put the bill's new measures 
into the context of the film Birth of a Nation. <laughs> you think he's setting that up for a sequel? Yeah. <laughs> One of the uh, repercussions of this is the way the public has, many, most in the public have jumped on Delta Airlines and Coca-Cola and Home Depot for uh, being, for not speaking out. Uh, and so today Delta spoke out and said they were against it. And Kemp's office replied, well, you were involved in, in uh, the discussions of forming the bill. And Coca-Cola spoke out against it in their boycotts against all major corporations based in Georgia. And I applaud that. And I, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game is supposed to be in Atlanta. And I hope that they uh, move it. I hope they move it uh, without question. But what you're finding is that corporations who might otherwise be, we're, we're just here. We just want you to fly with us, buy our sugar water. Uh, we want you to uh, go to our hardware store. People are calling them to task. And that hasn't always happened. Of course, it's not just Georgia that is among the southern states looking to cut back on opportunities to register and encourage the participation of their voters, as we can see from this clip of Mississippi Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith. Before we start, I have a question of the chair. Sure. Earlier, Senator Schumer, Schumer the uh, majority leader, had requested a response from Republican members of this committee as to uh, things that were happening in Georgia. When is the appropriate time that I can respond? Is it well, requested? You could respond right now, Senator Hyde-Smith. Thank you very much for Thank that. you. Senator Schumer's question was, he was wondering why on Sundays, Georgia would not participate in an electoral process of gathering signatures of registration and things on Sunday. And I would just like to respond to that. Georgia's a Southern state, just like Mississippi. I cannot speak for Georgia, but I can speak for Mississippi on why we would never do that on a Sunday or hold an election on a Sunday. You know, this is our currency. This is a dollar bill. This says the United States of America in God we trust. Etched in stone in the U.S. Senate chamber is in God we trust. When you swore in all of these witnesses, the last thing you said to them in your instructions was, so help you God. In God's word in Exodus 20, 18, it says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So that is my response to Senator Schumer. Thank you, Madam Chairman. And now I will begin with my questions. See, I like to think that in order to discuss the importance of God and religion in the foundation of this country, you know, Cindy Hyde-Smith is holding up a dollar bill that likely, you know, some stripper used her cleavage to grab it out of the mouth of a really horny <laughs> truck driver. And we all know the dollar bill is the real God in America anyways. Because according to this dope, everybody goes to uh, church on Sunday. and That's the only authorized day, the only proper day. So we can't uh, vote that day because that's God's day. He clearly does not understand that the umbrella of God covers more than her Southern Baptist church. Right. So you, you can go to church on Sunday, just not vote. Uh, you can't hand out bottles of water to voters now in Georgia, but apparently like guns are okay. Like I think the only option 
in order to stop dehydration and heat stroke is just to, you know, go ahead and find a way to smuggle like a bottle of water with a gun. Like just have a, another little compartment with your AR-15. That's actually a little canteen. So you can just nourish yourself while you're, while you're in line waiting to vote. Also, I note that she addressed that to, to Senator Schumer, who she might as well have said, listen, Jew, uh, don't you understand? Sunday is God's day. That's, I think, what she was trying to say. I don't think she's that self-aware, but that's what <laughs> we all saw. Like the Mi Mississippi coming to Georgia's defense and Georgia's over there like, oh, God, no, 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 no. Not Mississippi. We don't need it. Mississippi. They're like backing away. <laughs> And Shireen, doesn't the uh, doesn't the Georgia measure prevents the souls to the polls uh, work that's that's done in Georgia, and the Georgia law prevents that? Oh, I taken out the voting on Sundays, right? Yeah. Well, I've been sitting here yeah. since this whole conversation, thinking, how can I open a Chick Fil A on a Sunday and then go serve the food to the people in line? Because that would be the <laughs> best response ever. <laughs> <laughs> but. Isn't every day God's day, though? There you go. That's right. I'm surprised that no one else picked up on this, but she was quoting the Old Testament. And according to the Old Testament, the Sabbath takes place on a Saturday. So that just destroys her argument right there. Exactly. Well, they're a little slow. So, that, you know, Saturday, Sunday is all the same to them. And talk about slow. She took like two minutes or however long that segment was to say God doesn't want us to vote on Sundays. Like, boom, five seconds, you've made your point. <laughs> she had to queue up that dollar bill. There was like a yeah. whole lot that went into that. You're right. She could have really boiled that down. She had to get it from one of her staff members and she never gave it back, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and unless I'm, unless I'm mistaken in Italy, which is where Vatican City is located, they vote on Sundays there. And on that note, that's our show. I want to thank Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, Shireen Kassam, and Devin Kerr. Yay! Thank you, Tom. Thank you. But before we go, my final thought. The actor Matthew McConaughey was thinking of starting stand-up comedy before COVID hit. I've never been more grateful for a pandemic. Actually, given the attitudes towards treatment of women, of his character in Dazed and Confused, he might fit in well with a vast swath of road comics. There are positives and negatives to performing comedy and doing shows like this one over Zoom. One of the arguments made against moving to virtual shows, meetings, and religious services is the argument that some churches require assigned seating and limited capacity, yet places like liquor stores and strip clubs don't. That makes sense in a way. Have you ever tried to get a lap dance from an altar boy without being dressed as a priest? Let me tell you, it's not the easiest thing in the world to accomplish. So I've heard. As the one-year anniversary of the coronavirus shutdowns pass, we begin to see signs of things opening back up again. This means live comedy shows are starting to take place again. I couldn't help but think how I've been using this year off. Sure, I've been pining to get back on the road and travel again, but I've also been thinking of the comedy clubs that have been closed and the club owners and bookers who have had to make do with a little less income. Of course, these are the same bookers and club owners who have done everything within their power to assure voices like mine would never see stage time, and they are now dealing with a higher power telling them they can't make money the way they wish. It is then that these bookers finally grasp not only the concept of karma, but also the comedic concept 
of irony. <laughs> but I'm not concerned. I'm less anxious about what people say about me and rumors about what other comics think about me, mainly because I have an advantage to find out what anyone else is saying about me. I simply have to tune into any episode of a comics bullshit banter podcast. I can usually <laughs> make out what they think about me through all the insult talk and the racism and the needle dick anxiety. Good night. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Shireen Kassam and guest Devin Kerr. Theme music by Euron Vandenhurek. Executive producer Tom Myers. Executive producer for IPM Nation, Matt Connerton. For more information, visit tommyers.us. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Ugly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Ace. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, funny productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.